Hey there, and welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kinsey Dzinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach, and this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. I truly hope you and all of those you love are doing well. This will be our sixth and final episode in the COVID-19 series. And you know, when I started this series, I honestly didn't know how long I would continue it, mainly because I didn't know how long this pandemic would last or what couples would be needing or wanting to hear through this time. But I know I'm feeling ready for a change in topic, and I know you all have adjusted as best you can up to this point, and I'm sure you're ready to hear about something other than COVID-19 as well. With that said, I know there's more that could be touched on in your individual experiences, so if you'd like a place to process and work through some of those things further, I would be happy to do a coaching consultation with you if you'll just reach out via bravemarriage.com contact. Starting with episode 91, we've talked about how to manage our mental health with some practical tips, how to move through our emotions, how to get along at home, how to hope in the midst of uncertainty, and how to deal with wedding worries for those who are currently engaged. But today, I'd like to shift our conversation from managing our mental and emotional health into talking about, well, what do we do now? Now that we're a little more used to being at home. Now that we've had a little time to understand what we're feeling and why. So for those of you who feel like you've moved into more of an acceptance of your current state, or who feel like you're able to think a little more clearly about your decisions moving forward, this episode is for you. I was talking with my grandmother on the phone a couple of weeks ago, and at the end of our call, she said something that I've hung on to ever since. She said, I'm not looking for a new normal. I don't want this to be the new normal, but I am praying for a better normal. And I loved this idea of a better normal right now, don't you? As you think about your own experience at home, I'm wondering what aiming toward a better normal might look like in your context. That's what we're going to be talking about today. I have three ideas to share with you on cultivating a better normal, but I want to set you up for them by placing them within the context and understanding of a larger framework. I read an article recently at Psychology Today in which the author wrote about the four existential fears we have as humans, according to psychiatrist Irvin Yalom. And those are groundlessness, which I'll explain here in a minute, isolation, identity, or loss thereof, and death. And according to this article, COVID-19 hits on all of those four fears. So when we experience the presence of those things in our lives— groundedness, community and relationship, identity, and life and health, that's what helps us survive and give meaning to our lives. But the absence of the psychological sense that we're safe from those things can lead to psychopathology, breeding loneliness, hopelessness, depression, and anxiety. I'll link that article in the show notes, but each of the ideas I'll be sharing with you as you aim for a better normal in your life help to combat three of the four of these existential fears that we have as humans. Idea number one, find ways to mark, contain, and pass the time. You know, before COVID-19, we were all used to measuring time in different ways than we are now. For many people, Monday through Friday was measured by driving to work, getting home for a few hours, sleeping, and starting again the next day. Weekends were measured by social gatherings, sporting events, and church on Sundays. But after COVID-19, 
There was no longer the distinction between home life and work life. There was nowhere to go, no set working hours, and no clocking out. Weekend activities were canceled, even summer trips and vacations were canceled. And other rites of passage that we used to mark progress through time were also canceled or postponed, such as graduations, weddings, and the end of school years. And when that happened, many people experienced this sense of groundlessness, which is marked by the loss of control and the burden of freedom, meaning there's too much choice and not enough boundary or structure, which leads to stagnation and paralysis. This could be why finishing up school online or working from home or making decisions about an unknown future feels overwhelming to so many people. And in the midst of this pandemic, where there are still no clear answers as to if or when life will return to normal or to what we're used to, it's important that we find more and better ways to cope mentally with all of the unknown. Now, some people have already instinctively done this. I've heard so many people talk about starting to mark their days or weeks by the weather. <laughs> Why? Because one, it gets us out of the house when it's nice, but two, it creates a new daily ritual for us to mark, contain, and pass the time. So what I'm encouraging is for us to find more ways to do this, primarily to make the day, week, and life in general feel more manageable. We used to have these rituals built in, as we talked about, with our work weeks, commutes, and things to look forward to on the weekends. Now, we really have to be intentional about creating our own. So maybe you're at home with a spouse and time is marked for you by day, night, and maybe a few online meetings. Perhaps you can find ways to mark the time by doing meals together or by making 8 or 9 p.m. game time or movie and popcorn time. Maybe it's become increasingly difficult to tell weekends from weekdays, so maybe think about designating Friday nights as pizza night, or depending on where you live, as the night that you two still go out, pick up dinner curbside, and have a date night in the parking lot. Or maybe you can make brunch together at a certain time on Saturday morning, or watch a sermon online together on Sunday morning. In addition to marking the time in our days and in our weeks, maybe you need something to look forward to or to contain your time on a larger scale. So we already have the year divided up for us in months and quarters, in particular for business owners. So instead of thinking about time during COVID-19 as ongoing, unclearly defined, and never-ending, try thinking about the month of May, for example, as one month in which to accomplish one thing by the end of. Saying to yourself, by the end of May, I will have done blank. Or if you're a small business owner, while you may have a vision or goals for the next year or more, try restraining and containing your efforts solely to quarter two right now. And then work toward whatever goal, big or small, to give yourself a sense of efficacy and of making progress in a concrete way within a time-limited frame. Now, real quick, just to be clear, I am not saying the way through this crisis is to pretend like we're in complete control and that we should just act as if a pandemic isn't happening. That's not a helpful or realistic way to live because it's not grounded in reality. What I am saying is that time is a helpful construct for us as humans to help us feel safe, to provide us with structure, and to help us measure progress 
so that we can keep up the sense that we're moving towards something in our lives, which brings us meaning. I'm also not saying to rely on ourselves rather than God for those of us who are Christians. For many of us, our faith gives us that meaning, and it addresses all four of those existential fears I mentioned in the beginning— groundedness, identity, community, and the promise of eternal life. But what I'm saying is our existential fears are universal. And while as Christians we know that God is ultimately in control, as Americans we've never been more collectively, acutely, or viscerally aware that we're not. So spiritually, COVID-19 may prove to be a really eye-opening and truth-finding time. But psychologically, it's still important for us on a day-to-day basis to feel grounded in this world and in our present reality, and finding ways to mark, contain, and pass our time can help with that. Does that make sense? Idea number two, plan phone calls, online chats, and other occasions to look forward to. Now, I know you all are already doing this, and in many ways, this helps with point number one as well. In the past six weeks, I've had my sister's baby shower, a family Zoom call over Easter weekend, and I've received a whole lot of wedding and baby shower invitations, most of which will be virtual, but still, I enjoy having the reminder of those celebrations for others, even if I can't be a part, or if I can only be a part of those online. So what events or occasions do you have to look forward to? Write those things down or place your invitations somewhere where you can see them to remind you that you're not alone and that good things are still taking place in the lives of those around you. My encouragement to plan phone calls, online chats, and other occasions is really to fight against our existential fear of isolation. We're already largely physically isolated, but we have every opportunity to connect socially, emotionally, and intellectually. So take advantage of the time you have to cultivate relationships again. What I'm suggesting is different from calling someone when you're bored. It's planning to talk or see someone in advance to cultivate a sense of looking forward to something. Do you see the difference? Now, of course, we're all at home. There will be days that we're bored or in bad moods or in need of calling our people in the moment. That's completely normal. But if we can also plan ahead and put something on the calendar, it gives us a sense of really valuing our relationships instead of taking them for granted. And it also gives us a sense of taking responsibility for connection and owning our human need for relationship rather than passively scrolling through Facebook or Instagram in lieu of talking to your people in real life or in lieu of waiting on someone to reach out to you. And on that topic... A quick note about social media. If it's truly giving you a sense that we're all in this together, if it's encouraging your heart and your spirit, or if it's entertaining you in uplifting ways, then have at it. But if you're scrolling through social media to not feel alone, to have a sense of other people's lives that you tell yourself makes you feel connected, but actually it just makes you feel bad, for all that you're not doing during the crisis or for the state of your home life compared to others, then there are far better ways to stay connected. Ways that encourage and uplift you and make you feel less alone. And at the same time, don't hijack your brain to create dopamine hits that only last so long and then leave you feeling down. That don't curate a false sense of reality, which is the last thing we need right now. 
and that don't create a constant stream of input and therefore mood fluctuations which our brains and bodies were never designed to so rapidly regulate. Okay, so I know that there are benefits. I'm just asking you to honestly weigh the benefits with the risks to your mental, emotional, and relational health, especially you guys right now. A few things I've really enjoyed relationally that have come out of this time at home include getting on Marco Polo to connect with my best friends from college, talking with my grandmother more, and planning family phone calls or Zoom calls. So what about you? Who do you want to talk to that you haven't in a while? Could you text them and schedule a phone date within the next week? If you have several people in mind, could you schedule those dates to look forward to over the next few weeks? If you could get a group together online, who would you want to include? Could you have a dinner party online? Or plan an online family game night with some sort of question asking or a board game that both of you own? Or what are some of the small get-togethers that have dropped off for you since COVID-19? Could you text that group of people and try to get that up and going again online? I guarantee you that your friends and family on the other end would be happy for connection as well. It may just take your initiative and a little coordination to make it happen. And idea number three, create habits and routines that support who you want to be. This idea gets at maintaining your sense of identity. I know for so many people, initially, working from home or the loss of a job brought a strange and real sense of, well, who am I without this part of me? Or who am I outside of this part of me? I know many people who began to play and create and explore parts of themselves that they hadn't in a really long time, myself included. But I also know those for whom, as the weeks have worn on, have given up on those initial interests, not because they didn't enjoy them, but because being at home for six weeks can have a way of unraveling good habits and practices, leaving us with a sense of, again, groundlessness, loneliness, and in some ways, a lost sense of who we once were. So some very practical things you can do to make this time work for you and to try and establish a better normal include going to bed and getting up on time, whatever time it is that you feel good about. Having a regular bedtime and wake time contributes to our sense of functionality, as insignificant as this sounds. Another routine to keep in place is getting a shower in daily and practicing good hygiene. I know this may seem silly, but taking care of our bodies helps us feel good. It improves our mood and helps us feel like we're, again, functioning, especially if you're at home with little ones. Maybe getting a shower in for the day is the only time you have to yourself to feel like a human and not just a need-meeting machine, right? And on that note, if you have spousal support at home, I would encourage you to both discuss how each of you could get a half hour to yourselves every day or maybe an hour on the weekend. Now, of course, this will depend on the age of your children and I want you to make it work for where you all are. But the parenting season can be hard in terms of maintaining a sense of your whole identity. But it's so important for your children to acknowledge that you are a person with needs and human limitations just like they are. So model that for them by working together with your spouse to make a little space for self-care so that you can more effectively take care of those who need you. The last thing I'll add is think about who you want to be. 
With all the extra time you've had to think and dream and imagine life beyond COVID-19, what are the parts of you you've lost that you'd like to regain? Or what are some ways in which you'd like to grow? Whatever your answer to those questions, choose one and start doing something that aligns with you becoming the person you want to be. For me, that's continuing and completing this 100-day workout I've started. For you, it might be taking an online course, writing cards to people you love, practicing an instrument you used to play, investing in professional development. Because as hard as this time can be, there likely, or at least hopefully, will never be a time again in which the world pauses to allow you to really reflect and take stock of your life and to reorient your life according to your deepest desires and values. So make the most of this time in your habits and routines to support the person you want to be moving forward. All right, I hope this series has been helpful to you. We have one last good news and gratitude section. I'd like to share a little more personally a day that I had last week where I was just feeling down and trying to move through my emotions just like I've been talking about with you all. So there was a day where I woke up just feeling a little overwhelmed and I couldn't pinpoint why at first. So I sat down to do some journaling, praying, and reflecting and in the span of that time, I received several texts from friends and family offering prayer and encouragement and in that, the reasoning for my emotions became clear and those texts were really a picture for me of God's love and comfort that's always there even in the midst of emotions we don't understand, but he does, and deeply cares about. And this is really the part that I wanted to share with you. So when I finished that reflection time, I listened to a voicemail that came in during that time as well. And it said, Hey, Kinsey, today is Extend Hope, a campaign our church is doing where we've been asked to extend hope to someone today. And I really felt the Lord leading me to pay for another client session whoever comes to mind, but I just know how much coaching has blessed us, and we just wanted to extend that blessing to someone else today. So thank you, thank you for that. That was such a blessing to me in that moment, not to mention the recipients of your generosity. And as a way to continue to pay it forward, I am offering a free coaching session to an additional couple who could benefit. So our good news today comes through a giveaway a free 50-minute coaching session inspired by you, you know who you are, in your voicemail last week. To apply for this free coaching call, simply click on the link provided for you in the show notes. That will take you to a Google form where you will be asked to answer a few open-ended questions as well as to share your contact information so that we can get in touch should I choose you to win the free consultation. It's open to anyone, and again, you can find that link in the show notes in this episode. And for gratitudes, I'd actually like to read Seth Godin's blog post entitled Acknowledgements 2020, which you can find in the show notes as well or on his website at sethgodin.com. I just felt like it was a great way to wrap up this series and to say thank you to so many people. So he says, Authors get to put a page in their book thanking people who have quietly and persistently and generously helped. And right now, It's worth taking a second to think about people who are doing more than expected, more than they have to, more than we can imagine. He continues, I'm filled with gratitude for the healthcare workers who have shown up to do the jobs that they never hoped to have to do, risking so much to help people. 
from docs who are beginning their career in the middle of this to retired nurses who are putting on their scrubs again to help out. And thank you to the frontline workers and volunteers in my town and yours, from the food market to the fire department, from the gas station to the police. They're showing up and doing it with grace. Thanks to so many tech companies that are quietly doing what they said they would do. Thank you to the nonprofit leaders, entrepreneurs, and project managers who have figured out how to pivot on a dime, protecting the job of their teams, and serving their customers in new and powerful ways. Thanks to every parent who is at home with kids, balancing competing priorities, and still being there for the ones who need them. And thanks to resilient and patient therapists, teachers, and spiritual leaders who are figuring out how to be there fully present, even if it's on a video screen. I'm grateful for the unseen but not anonymous people who are delivering packages, maintaining web servers, fixing the things that break, and showing up every single day. Jumping forward a few paragraphs, Godin says, If you're leading despite or because of what's going on around us, thank you. All right, friends, that's all for today and for this series. Your action step is to choose one idea above as you aim toward a better normal. And my prayer for this week is that God would give us strength and perseverance in the middle and midst of it all, that Jesus would bring us hope and encouragement in just the ways we've been needing, and that the Holy Spirit would give us wisdom as we courageously make decisions moving forward. I'll talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Love is not a battle Love is not a bond Love is just as fragile 